Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 247 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Well, today I'm going to focus on one particular way to invest your money. Now, it's rare that I do this. It's rare that I spend time just talking about uh, one way that you could invest your money, but this is a particular way that intrigues me. And I'm not suggesting that you invest this way, and I'm not saying that this meets your risk tolerance, and I'm not saying that this meets your uh, return expectations, but I do find it very intriguing because in finance, we have this thought process of maximizing reward for the least amount of risk. And uh, this particular way of investing that I'm going to talk about today uh, tries to do that, and I think it does it pretty well. Uh, so we're going to talk about all this and more in today's episode, so stick around to get more of the details. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long-form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can be in working together, uh, building financial goals that are specific to your life, uh, and then pushing towards long-term financial freedom and ultimately uh, getting you to a place financially where uh, you can be uh, financially independent and do all the things that you wanted to do, uh, hopefully, uh, with the money that you have, with the money that you built, the wealth that you built, by using the principles that we talk about on this show on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, what particular way of investing am I talking about today? What particular uh, portfolio am I talking about today where I think it is quite intriguing? Well, uh, I wanted to talk about Ray Dalio's all-weather portfolio. And you may have heard of this, you may not have, uh, but this is a particular type of portfolio uh, that looks to uh, weather all storms in financial markets. And it looks to uh, minimize risk and maximize return, just like uh, you know, everybody else is trying to do. They're trying to get uh, the most return for the least amount of risk. Well, it does so in a very strange way. Uh, and it does so via asset allocation that is different uh, from what most traditional money managers may suggest. Now, you may be thinking, well, you know, who made this up? Uh, whose thought process is this? Why is this intriguing? Why uh, might this be a possible uh, investment choice for myself? Well, this was developed by Ray Dalio. And Ray Dalio is the founder of the world's largest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates. Uh, and it manages today uh, roughly $150 billion. Okay, now Bridgewater is so large that they don't take on new clients. Now, this is pretty common of uh, a hedge fund. They won't take on new clients after some time just because uh, you get too much money, too much, many inflows. It's hard to make returns. Uh, with that money. And even with $150 billion, it's probably quite difficult uh, to make outsized returns, but uh, he goes about doing it. And Ray Dalio, he uh, kind of stepped back uh, in Bridgewater Associates in recent years and has kind of taken uh, a more advisory role uh, in the company. But uh, he has for years and years been innovative in investing. He has for years and years been innovative uh, in the hedge fund space uh, and in the space of 
uh, risk and return. And so I think uh, he's really, really interesting. And some even call him uh, the Steve Jobs of investing. And he's got a few books, one of which uh, I've read and a couple of which are on my list, but uh, I've read the book Principles. And I think that's very interesting. He also has some books on uh, debt crises and uh, just success in general, uh, because obviously he is a very successful man, came from uh, very little. So Ray Dalio is the individual who uh, built this portfolio, who built out this particular portfolio that I'm going to talk about today. And this portfolio is very, very simple. It is not uh, a difficult portfolio to track with or follow. Okay, this all weather portfolio is not anything that you can't create on your own. This isn't something where you have to go to some uh, hedge fund or you have to go buy a specific ETF or mutual fund uh, to you know track this particular portfolio. You can take uh, a few different investments and put them together in certain allocations and get this all weather portfolio that Ray Dalio suggests. Okay, now maybe not in the perfect way that Ray Dalio does so. Right? but in the way that he suggests that investors do so if they're not invested with a hedge fund like his own. Okay, So what is this all-weather portfolio and what does it look like? Well, obviously when we're saying all-weather, we're suggesting that uh, this is a type of investment that will uh, span all different types of markets. Right? It doesn't matter if the market is great or the market is uh, crappy. This could be a particularly good investment, especially when it comes to risk and return. Okay, so how does Ray Dalio set up this particular portfolio? Uh, well, it is quite simple, okay? He starts with fixed income, okay, or bonds. Now, uh, fixed income uh, is just a fancy way of saying bonds in most cases, but fixed income means that uh, these particular types of investments would pay you uh, some fixed amount of interest or some fixed payment over time. So fixed income is generally uh, bonds or preferred stocks. Okay. But we start with fixed income and he puts 40% of long-term U.S. bonds, U.S. treasury bonds in this portfolio. So 40% of long-term treasury bonds. That's a very, very large allocation uh, of bonds, right? And some may say right off the bat, well, how am I going to make any returns uh, if I start off with 40% Treasury bonds with 40% long-term bonds. How am I ever going to make return? Well, just hold on. And this is going to be the beauty uh, of this particular portfolio because it is not constructed in a way that you or I would traditionally think you could construct a portfolio uh, and create a risk-return relationship that would work out for a particular investor. Okay, So you start with 40% long-term U.S. bonds. And if you wanted to take this type of allocation on your own, uh, that particular uh, bond weighting, you could use uh, the TLT uh, ETF, okay? So that uh, tracks long-term treasuries, okay? So 40% long-term treasury bonds, then 15%, still in the fixed income space, uh, of intermediate-term U.S. treasuries, okay? Uh, so this is going to be the IEI uh, ETF, all right? So if you're looking for this, again, if you want to take this allocation for yourself, the IEI would be the ETF you use there. So we're at 55% bonds, and we haven't even talked about stocks yet, right? There has been no stock allocation, and we're already at 55% bonds. How are we ever going to make uh, our returns? How are we ever going to uh, have some returns that are adequate for most investors? Well, again, just hold your horses. Now, your question may be about the stock allocation. Let's talk about it, okay? The stock allocation is 30% of the portfolio, only 
Okay, only 30% of this portfolio is going to be stocks, okay? And it is suggested that it's U.S. large cap stocks, uh, and he suggests using the VTI, so this is the Vanguard um, Total Market Index, okay? And this is going to be 30% of that particular portfolio. All right, so we've got 55 and 30%, so we've got 15% uh, of this portfolio left. And this is where it gets a little more interesting. It's not just stocks and bonds, okay? Because we know that uh, many traditional portfolios are just stocks and bonds. Uh, but this, you know, gets uh, not tricky, but uh, a little different in this last 15%. So 7.5% is going to go into gold, okay? So that is, you know, a commodity play, right? It is obviously a hedge against some of the other investments, the traditional investments that you may hold here, right? So 7.5% goes into gold, and uh, he's not talking about buying uh, these, you know, gold bars or whatever. He's saying the GLD, right? There is an ETF for that, just like there's an ETF for just about everything, okay? So 7.5% uh, goes into the GLD gold ETF, uh, and then another 7.5% goes into a broadly diversified commodity ETF, the GSG, okay, which tracks different commodities uh, in the market, okay? So you've got 15% uh, commodities, 30% stocks, and 55% bonds. How in the world does this create the returns that you're looking for? Well, just based on uh, the hedges of risk, and the uh, you know correlations of the returns of these different ETFs, it turns out to be quite effective at creating good returns over time. Okay, so let me just give you uh, the you know everything from the one month return uh, all the way to the ten year return of uh, the Ray Dalio All Weather Portfolio. So uh, as of June thirtieth, right? So the end of uh, June of this year. The one-month return in June uh, was 2.21% for the all-weather portfolio, so it had a good month. The three-month return, 6.9%, okay? And again, these are uh, on an annualized basis, all right? Six-month return, 2.93%. The one-year, okay, so going from June 30 to June 30, 2020, right? Going back to June 30, 2020, 9.97%, okay? So that... Uh, it's a pretty good year, but not what the S&P 500 turned out over that time period, okay? Over a three-year period, 10.53% annualized, okay? Over a five-year period, 7.54% annualized, and then over a 10-year period, again, we like as we can look at longer periods for a particular investment uh, and see what it has done. Uh, over a 10-year period, this particular portfolio has yielded 7.72% annually, Okay, so no slouch as far as returns. Now, uh, do I hope that we could have gotten more than 7.72% annually uh, over the last 10 years, you know, especially as younger investors? Sure, but 7.72% uh, is no slouch. If you go ahead and just take inflation into account, uh, you are still growing your money at a good real clip, uh, especially if you're somebody who doesn't want to take a ton of risk. This type of portfolio uh, can do that for you. And you may be saying, well, you know, how... Uh, does this portfolio not take risk? Uh, you know, you're investing 15% in commodities and you do still have stock exposure, right? Uh, and you're investing in longer term treasury bonds, right? Uh, now, longer term treasury bonds obviously are never considered risky, uh, but uh, longer term bonds are riskier than shorter term bonds. So how would you, uh, you know, quantify this as lower risk? Well, let's just talk for a moment uh, about the drawdowns of 
uh, this particular portfolio. And that's a really big thing when you're looking at ETFs or mutual funds uh, or the performance of some hedge fund manager or whatever. Uh, you look at max drawdowns, meaning uh, the maximum that the portfolio went from peak to trough. Okay, so from its highest point to its lowest point, what was the largest fall that the portfolio had? Okay, so uh, in the one month period, again, this is uh, ending June 30, 2021, right? One month period, there was no max drawdown, three month, no max drawdown. Over a six month period, okay, going back to January of 2021, the max drawdown was 3.71%. Okay, now I don't know what that was for the market over that period of time, uh, but it was 3.71%. Uh, so also year to date, 3.71% is the max drawdown. All right, then over a one year period, okay, the max drawdown, 3.74%. All right, three-year period, max drawdown, 4.76%. Okay, five-year period, max drawdown of 6.47%. And over this five-year period, uh, we have to remember that we have had uh, some really, really major uh, drawdowns. We've had some really, really major uh, falls in the market. Okay, so this decline uh, of 6.47%. Uh, is you know chump change compared to the coronavirus crash or compared to uh, some of the corrections that we've had. Nonetheless, a 10-year max drawdown was 6.93%. And then if you take the max drawdown, since July 1st of 2002, the max drawdown for this portfolio would have been 12.19%, and that was amidst the financial crisis when the stock market itself fell by over 50%. So now you can kind of start to see uh, that with those 7.72% uh, annualized returns, how it's going to be difficult to find anything else uh, similar to this that's going to have uh, such good returns, right? So I said good, not great returns. So good returns that still provide you uh, with a low amount of risk. So if your largest drawdown in your portfolio is 12.19% dating back prior to uh, the financial crisis, you've done something right investing-wise, and maybe it is uh, eliminating risk. And I think that's something uh, that has been done really, really well by the all-weather portfolio, okay? So again, 7.72% uh, annualized return over the past 10 years. So an investment of $1,000 10 years ago in the all-weather portfolio, uh, a $1,000 investment would have become uh, $2,103.46 as of June 30th of 2021, okay? Now, if you back that up even further, right, and you go back to July 1st of 2002, $1,000 investment would now be worth $4,337.07. Now, just for a little bit of perspective, because I don't want to be such a fanboy of uh, the all-weather portfolio that we lose our way, right? Let's just take a look at the S&P 500. So if I go back and look at the S&P 500 from June 21st of 2002, uh, the S&P 500 was at 989.14, okay? And as of close on Monday, uh, the S&P 500 was at 4,384.63, okay? So that would be a gain from uh, June 21st, which is just a little before the July 1st date that we were looking at, uh, of 343.28% over that time period. Okay, so 343.28. Well, what about the all-weather portfolio? Well, over that same period of time, the all-weather portfolio has provided 333.71% return. Okay, 8.03% on an annualized basis. So this means 
that even with an allocation that was 55% fixed income and 15% commodities and only 30% stocks, right? The all-weather portfolio has only trailed the S&P 500 portfolio, which is obviously all stocks, right? All large cap U.S. equities. It has only trailed that portfolio by 10% over a, what, 19-year period, right? That is outrageously good. And with the largest drawdown over that time being only uh, a little over 12%, that is an absolutely huge deal uh, for investors and could really allow investors to grow their money. And I wish I could uh, show you this chart of the all-weather portfolio. It is truly, and, and you could go create this portfolio for yourself online uh, and follow uh, the growth over time. But it's almost just up and to the right. Now, it's not the steepest up and to the right that you've ever seen, but it is just up and to the right, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, Let's talk for a minute about the worst drawdowns uh, that have been had in the all-weather portfolio. Again, I told you about the largest drawdowns, okay? But uh, let's talk about the longest drawdowns, okay? So I've told you about the largest. Let's talk about the longest. The longest drawdown uh, that this portfolio has had since June of 2011 was between February 2015 and December of 2015, uh, and that drawdown was 6.93%. Right, and it ended up taking uh, 17 months total uh, from one top to the next. Okay, so it took six months to recover from that particular drawdown. It took from uh, February of 2015 to June of 2016 to just break even in the portfolio. Okay, but that was the longest drawdown. Uh, and just for a little bit of perspective, again, uh, you know, we're trying to uh, compare to something like the S&P 500, not because it's an apples to apples comparison or that's the benchmark that you would use, but because that's what a lot of individuals are investing their money in in a passive way. Uh, and we are trying to make an argument for maybe there's another way to passively invest your money. Okay, so let's just take a look uh, at the peak of the financial crisis. Okay, so the peak of the financial crisis, uh, we're talking uh, September of 2007, before everything fell off of a ledge. Okay, September of 2007 uh, to January 18th of 2013. Right, so that's like you know five and a half years that the market took from basically one high to the next. The market was basically flat over a five and a half year period. Uh, and even worse, if you look at something like the NASDAQ over a longer period of time, but again, that is uh, more risk. Uh, therefore, it's going to take longer to get over some of those drawdowns. So as far as drawdowns go, uh, the all-weather portfolio does absolutely great. Then Let's talk about some rolling returns. And if you don't know what a rolling return is, uh, rolling returns are uh, where you look at, uh, let's say, you know, you have one year, right? And if you looked at one year rolling returns, you'd look at one year, then the next year, then the next year. If you said five year rolling returns, you would say, okay, from 2016 to 2020, that's a five year set of returns. But then if you're looking at rolling, then 2015 to 2019, that's five years. And then 2014 to 2018, that's five years. That's what we mean by rolling returns where they overlap in that way. Okay. So if you look at uh, five year rolling returns of the all weather portfolio, okay, the best five year period was 11.47% annualized. And the worst five year period was 4.08% annualized with the average five year period being 7.27%. So right around uh, the average return of the portfolio. Now, if you look at the three year Okay, the worst three-year rolling return was 1.77%, and the best was 15.92%, with the average being 7.45%. Okay, this means that any time 
from uh, July of 2002 to June of this year, okay, if you invested in this portfolio for three years, you were going to make money. Now, if you go down to two years, there was a negative two-year rolling return uh, of negative 0.97%, so you barely lost money, okay? But if you would have invested your money for any three-year period over the last 19 years, you would have made money in this portfolio. Now, what was the best year for uh, this all-weather portfolio? What was the best year that this portfolio has had? Uh, well, the best year was from April of 2003 to March of 2004, uh, and that was a 20.18% return. Now, you may say, well, how, how have they not made returns in the most recent uh, bull market that are as large, right? Because we've had some pretty blowout years, especially in the S&P 500. We have to remember, they are hedging risk, right? They have commodity plays. They have a lot of bonds. So the returns may not have been as robust, okay? But in not taking losses over the long term, uh, what the portfolio ends up doing is just racking up gains steadily, uh, just slowly but surely picking up gains uh, and allowing them to not have to make 20% returns or 25% returns annually uh, in order to get uh, to some semblance of good returns over time. Okay, so that is the best returns that we've seen from uh, the all-weather portfolio. Now, you may also ask, then what's the dividend yield on the all-weather portfolio look like, right? What, what do we have as far as income off of the things that we're investing in? Now, uh, obviously, gold and commodities are not going to provide you with any income. Your fixed income investments in the portfolio, the IEI and the TLT uh, ETFs, may provide you some uh, income year after year. And then so will the total stock market index, obviously, in the form of dividends, okay? Uh, but what can you expect? Well, right now, uh, if you invest in the all-weather portfolio, uh, it would have a 1.4% yield, meaning you would make 1.4% in just income, right? Uh, but over time, what have these yields looked like? And we'll look back uh, to 2007 and then all the way to today. Now, in 2007, the yield was 3.15%. Now, obviously, uh, the lower the values are on a particular portfolio, uh, typically the higher the yields are going to be. So in 2007, you know, we're coming out of a financial crisis. Yields are uh, going to be relatively high as long as uh, companies are continuing to pay dividends. Okay, So 3.15% in 2007. Uh, and then I'm just going to go right down the line, 8, 9, 10, all the way to June of 2021. Uh, but um, you have 2.82%, 2 2.42%, 2.73%, 2.58%, uh, 1.95%, 1.91%, 2.12%. Uh, and then uh, in the upper ones until 2019, then it was 2.03%. Then in 2020, 1.4%. Uh, then, it, okay, if you would have invested in June 2021, right? Uh, the yield is only 0.49% on the portfolio, okay? Uh, and that's obviously because a lot of companies have cut dividends since last year, uh, and when you have higher valuations, yields are going to be lower, okay? So it's also important to note where some other return comes from, and some other return may come from uh, the dividend yield portion of the portfolio. But uh, this is not what makes this portfolio shine. What makes this portfolio shine uh, is the lack of drawdown, and yet, uh, the good returns that it can provide. I think uh, that this portfolio does better uh, for individuals who are going into retirement uh, or are closer to retirement and they are wanting to take some risk off, yet uh, they still need to make adequate returns. Because we've talked before about, uh, you know, when you're going into retirement and you're heading towards retirement, you don't need to just take all risk off because uh, you need to be growing your money because of one, inflation, and then two, if you're withdrawing money in retirement from your accounts, 
you need to have adequate returns in that way as well. And you don't want huge drawdowns because having huge drawdowns would mean uh, that the particular uh, portfolio might provide you with the double whammy of the drawdown and you're taking money out. And so uh, when it tries to grow back to the amount that it had previously in the portfolio, uh, it's going to take longer to get there. Okay, so we don't want to have those double whammies. So not having large drawdowns is a very big deal in a particular portfolio. And the all-weather portfolio provides lower drawdowns or has historically, okay? Uh, so this is something that I do think is interesting for uh, retirees. And you look at the average return, right? The average return is about uh, the 7.7% annualized, right? Or if you go back to 2002, it's right around 8%. Okay, so if you look at this annualized return and you think, okay, Let's assume that we're taking 5% annually off of uh, our nest egg, off of our retirement portfolio, okay? And let's just make the assumption, and this is, has not historically been the case, but let's say that this is the case, that inflation was running at 3%, okay? So even if inflation was running at 3% and uh, you were taking 5% off your portfolio annually since 2002, over a 19-year period, then what you would have ended up with uh, is a portfolio that in real terms would have had a 0% growth. Now, that, that sounds cruddy, right? That doesn't sound like a good thing, but that means it had a nominal growth uh, of approximately 8% annually. Inflation ate away at 3% of your return, uh, and 5% of your return was going just towards providing you with your income. So you were getting the income you needed and still maintaining the value of your portfolio on a real basis, meaning that the purchasing power of the portfolio remained the same, right? You could still buy all the same goods and services with that same amount of money, even though you did see the value grow. So your money grew and uh, you had a situation where uh, you could take all the income that you needed off of that portfolio. So uh, just historically, this would have been a very good way uh, to invest your money, especially uh, in a place where you needed to de-risk and still make good returns. Now, uh, why do I talk about this? Why do I tell you guys this? Why am I interested uh, in this particular situation? Well, I'm interested in the all-weather portfolio because I think for all investors, what you're trying to do uh, is find the thing that works best. Find the thing uh, that provides the most return for the least risk, right? Risk and return, it's, it's a big uh, topic in uh, investments. It's a big topic in portfolio management. And so when you see something that has uh, historically worked and that has provided returns uh, with minimum drawdowns over time, uh, I think it's worth noting. And I think it's worth talking about. And again, I'm not suggesting this for you. I'm not suggesting this as something that you should just go invest in today. Uh, but what I am saying is, is that something like this can be a useful tool. It can be a useful portfolio uh, for individuals who are uh, in the business of trying to take risk off, but don't want to sacrifice all of their returns. Okay. So um, Ray Dalio, very brilliant man, done a lot of brilliant things in the investment space. Uh, and, you know, he has provided a lot of wisdom, especially in the recent years, uh, to investors throughout the market. But this contribution of the all-weather portfolio, I think, is a very, very large contribution into uh, the investment space. And I'm not saying he's the only one who has a portfolio like this. There are other portfolios uh, who have done similar things. Uh, but Dalio is a very famous individual. Uh, and this portfolio did become very famous, especially through uh, Tony Robbins, uh, who you know went and wrote the book about... Uh, you know, individual investing, personal finance, and things like that, uh, and took a lot from Ray Dalio, who talked about uh, the all-weather portfolio to Tony Robbins when he interviewed him for that book. So uh, you can thank Tony Robbins for uh, your uh, all-weather portfolio knowledge. So 
Uh, hopefully this helps some of you guys. Hopefully this gets you to a place where you can understand risk and return a little better and understand that uh, the traditional ways, the historical ways of investing, uh, even though tried and true in many ways, uh, can still be adjusted. You can still have very low stock allocations and still make good returns. You can still have allocation into commodities and stocks and still have very low drawdowns. It's all about correlation of returns and it's all about uh, determining risk and when risk will present itself uh, and then what returns you can expect on the other side. So uh, the all-weather portfolio, you might try it out, you might not, uh, but I do think it's quite intriguing and hopefully uh, this is something that you can look into more for yourself as you go forward. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things that I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody who would help you build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites. Tell me that you're interested in financial coaching and you and I can begin working together building financial plans uh, that are specific to you and your family's needs and then pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom uh, by attaining those goals that we've set out for you to attain. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.